Rangers. Assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Hey, this is Yuri Lowenthal. I play Peter Parker and Spider-Man in the new PS4 Spider-Man game, and you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of the episode, introducing ourselves, and then also doing our regular episode topics, and also telling you all at home about our special interview at the end of this episode, a very web-snapping... Eh, it was Spider-Man. But anyway, mm-hmm. I'm really bad with these intros for that. But anyway... Before we get into all that, we got to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on them, their social media platform. Sites. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Marvelists. You can follow myself on Facebook at Peter Melnick Podcaster, as well as on Instagram and the Twitter machine at Peter Melnick. And yourself, sir? On Instagram at Eddie9193. You can also send us a line in our email bag, themarvelists at gmail.com. Questions, comments, strongly worded letters, business inquiries, strongly worded letters about Spider-Man and your opinion about whether or not he is a threat or a menace to society. The thief. The criminal. That dude stole that guy's pizza. (laughs) He stinks and I don't like him. I like certain Spider-Men, as you can be evidently told with this episode, but you can also listen to us on a wide variety of streaming platforms, including TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, and of course iTunes, where you can rate, review, subscribe, and share. Five star if you're ever so inclined. And remember, much like the ice cream machine at McDonald's, four stars and below does not work. So, yeah. Eddie? So much for a four star general, then. I mean... Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, disappointment. And the idea, Eddie... In that universe, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a multiverse, Eddie. That's right, pick one. But a lot of stuff... That's right, pick one, anyone. Don't pick all of them to choose to contact us, whether it's email or the other things that Peter said. Just one is fine. Yeah. And it should should get through. Bob Newhart. Well, was Bob Newhart on Eight is Enough? I honestly don't think so. Dick Van Patten. They're they're so much alike. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, to me at least. To you as very least, yes. But, Eddie, Peter. this episode we are joined at the end with the voice of Spider-Man on PS4, as well as Spider-Man now in the gamerverse in general, including Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, available now for the Nintendo Switch, Yuri Lowenthal. And you might also remember him as the voice 
of Ben 10 back in, I believe, the early to mid-2000s. And like I said, Spider-Man, the, we- the webhead. And that, ep- that interview is going to end at the end of this episode. So, yeah. Eddie, lots happened since New York Comic Con. and Yeah, you've had uh, a bunch of audio, a bunch of interviews. We still got more audio to and come. There's, there's more, yeah, because four days worth, you got to have something to show for us. Oh, yeah. And there's going to be some interviews that we got coming out the pipeline. Uh, we got some stuff like, for example, we have an interview with Kyle Higgins, who has, he's one of the main architects right now of the Power Rangers comic. But we talked about a different character that he was involved with, Winter Soldier. That's going to be on an, another episode in the very near future. We also have an interview on the way with Lloyd Kaufman of Troma. He's the guy that is responsible for bringing James Gunn, director of Guardians of the Galaxy, into Hollywood, essentially. I did not know that. Yeah, he did. Tro- he wrote Tromeo and Juliet for Lloyd, and Lloyd directed that movie. It's uh, Troma's take on Romeo and Juliet. You know, I really need to expand my knowledge of Troma because all I know is Toxic Avenger. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Toxie, Toxie is good people. Well, good creature. But... We From Jersey. Al- we also, let me see, we have an interview with Mitch of St. Mark's Comics, the legendary comic book store in St. Mark's Place in New York City. The Willage. And Somewhere, yeah. There's so much. Like I said. One of the boroughs, yeah. A lot of stuff we got coming down the pipe. You can also listen to our most recent episode where it was featuring Daniel Kibblesmith and Al Ewing, two of the hot writers at Marvel right now. And we got them at New York Comic Con. So if you want to listen to that episode, it's available in our archives. That's a Daniel Kibblesmith part two. Yeah, no, it's uh, he, we had him on part in twenty. No. Daniel Daniel Kibblesmith. Yeah. Kibblesmith has been on a few times. Oh, part two for me. And no, he has just before He's, before he my. Was on uh, in twenty eighteen, he was on the episode where I conducted it at his house. Just you know, those locks just don't work, Daniel. You know. Come oh. On. He was also on our New York, or uh, the Main Street Comics Live, again, in the archives, and now alongside Al Ewing at New York Funny Book Fair. See, I'm now in the Kibblesmith groove because of the first meeting, and that was, for me, that would be the second time. And again, we're not just saying this because he's a friend of the show. Kibblesmith is a good dude. Give him a follow on the Twitter machine, at Kibblesmith. Free plug ski. Tell him him the Marvelist sent you. Mm, Sure. Also, like I said, a lot of stuff has happened in the past few weeks. But, of course, the past week, since New York Comic Con, let's go with the biggest of the big news. There's a reason we call him Lord Feige. Kevin Feige is now the the chief creative officer at Marvel, meaning he is in charge of the movies and the television. So, damn. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for what this could mean for the future of Marvel, and... The man is already wearing a lot of hats, not just literally, because he does have a lot of hats, Mm -hmm. but he's going to be doing the upcoming, he's doing a Star Wars movie, he's going to be producing that, I believe, and rumor and innuendo, or it's confirmed, I'm not 100%, it's going to be about Mara Jade. Confirmed rumor and innuendo, very good. It's Mm -hmm. it's something, but it's going to be Mara Jade, apparently, who is a character in the former Star Wars continuity canon, where it was, now it's called Legends, but Mara Jade was, I believe, the lover of Luke Skywalker, Angry Star Wars nerds tweet me that I'm wrong or whatever about that. I don't know. Well, maybe. But maybe by the time we get to the month of December when the latest yeah. Star Wars movie comes out into theaters, December 20th. Let's tease that right now. We'll, we'll, we'll Or do our formal announcement about it. Okay. We kind of teased it on our Jeremy Conrad episode. December is going to be a Star Wars month for us, meaning we're going to be talking to different creators involved in the Star Wars mythos. We're going to be talking to people about 
Star Wars connection to Marvel and yeah. I think I think for that intro for that podcast episode or a month we'll use the old Cantina band Miko Star Wars theme. Wow, and I have not heard that in about 20 years. That's uh, it's a good one. I like mm-hmm. I really like that one actually. Yeah. But yeah, there is a lot of stuff going on with Star Wars and of course like I said with Kevin Feige and to be able to see Kevin go off and do this that's it's big. Yeah, and bigger than big. A lot of people are wondering in regards to Kevin with this new title, what could this mean for the future of Marvel? Well, as you can tell, we're in good hands with Marvel with what they're doing. Of course, there's going to be some mild snafus. Not everything's going to be perfect, as you could see with shows like The Inhumans. However, like I said, Kevin was not involved, so mm. maybe we're going to have a little bit more quality control. Who knows? But I think the future is looking bright for Marvel Studios. And also on top of that, speaking of Marvel Studios... Someone was recently photographed at the Marvel Studios in front of the Marvel Studios sign, and his feet were not showing at that moment. Yes, Ryan Reynolds, because oh. you get it because of Rob Liefeld creation. Ha ha! I, I was thinking of dead I was thinking, horse. Well, I was thinking of Rob. I wasn't thinking of Ryan anyway. But Ryan Reynolds was recently seen at the Marvel Studios offices in California, and I'm interested in seeing what's going to happen because now, if that's the case, does this mean? We're getting Deadpool in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm hoping and praying because it's one of those earlier in this show's life I was going on saying, oh, they they can't admit the success of this and this. Evidently they can. And I like the idea of seeing a Ryan Reynolds Deadpool integrated into this universe. I want to see him show up maybe, oh, guys, I can finally meet Tony Stark, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that just, would be, yeah. You, you could just drop him in, doing what that and other things that you know. Absolutely, that wouldn't be really, really cool. And again, people are going on saying how I really hope they don't ruin the character by making him PG thirteen. Constraint leads to some really good comedy. You can do a lot of good stuff with yeah mm-hmm. with constraint, yeah. And the idea of that character being you know limited from being able to say certain things, that's going to lead to some really entertaining kind of things. On the flip side, I feel they will, when you know he gets his own Deadpool movie, it'll be rated R, etc., etc. They'll continue in the vein of what it was. Personally, I think they should continue having the director of Deadpool 2, the one who's responsible for killing John Wick's dog. They did an amazing job in Deadpool 2, to the point where I like Deadpool 2 way more than the first one. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's... The I remember back in the day when I used to do my old show, Audibly Exquisite, when 2016 happened, I went on record saying, Deadpool is my favorite comic book movie of 2016. It was my second favorite comic book movie of 2016 <laughs> in actuality. I was just trying to be that guy because I really loved Deadpool. It was good. It wasn't the greatest. In my opinion, that year, Civil War was the best comic book movie to come out, and it's still one of my all-time favorites in the MCU mythos. But I digress. Mm, you do. But with that, what I like is we're getting Ryan Reynolds possibly in the MCU. And a lot of us have our theories of who we want to see him interact with. I'd love to see him interact with Spider-Man. And as we tease at the end of this interview with Yuri Lowenthal, we'd like to see the video game versions of them interact one day. But that's, again, stay tuned, true believers, Mm -hmm. at the end of this episode. But I would love to see... Ryan Reynolds interact with Tom Holland and 
It would be so inappropriate, so vulgar, but oh, so funny. And Eddie, who would you want to see Ryan Reynolds interact with in the MCU? <laughs> he can go anywhere. I think there's there's probably no limit to it. So to narrow it down, wouldn't probably do that character of Deadpool justice. Because any anything is fair game for him. Imagine Get, him interacting with Captain Marvel. Sure. And let's, just her let's eviscerating do him. <laughs> I, I like the idea, though, and I, I made the tweet uh, like a few months ago. Wow, first Hugh Jackman doesn't want to go off and work with uh, Ryan Reynolds in a movie, so he gets himself killed. Now Tony Stark doesn't want to work with him, you know, Hugh ja- or uh, Robert Downey Jr. Just, man, Wade really can, like, they want to kill themselves before Deadpool shows up. Rumor and innuendo. Come on, that's fact in there? Come no. on, give me a, okay. But just the idea, like, man, they really don't want to work with this guy. <laughs> they get themselves killed. That's how he would take it, too. He could go off on a little, on a little monologue and say, oh, I, I can't believe it. I get into here, and this one's gone, and there's the other one, and what about the widow? Oh, geez, her, too? <laughs> oh, my the? God, I didn't realize that one. Yeah. Well, and they were married in real life. Huh? Ryan Oh, Reynolds oh, oh. Good Scarlett go. Johansson. Oh, yeah, okay. They were once married together, so well, obviously together. <laughs> That's what marriage is. Till yeah. death do they part. Uh-huh. But I think the idea of seeing Ryan Reynolds in the MCU leads to so many limitless possibilities. And the idea maybe he could even show up in the Disney Plus series, which, by the way, we're one month away from Disney Plus being a thing. And I will be billed for my one year of Disney Plus, and I'm not looking forward to that, but (laughs) such is life, isn't it, folks? Things he does for this podcast. Yep. But when it comes to that, they also announced that the whole slate of things that are going to be on day one of Disney Plus and we're not getting all of the MCU movies, apparently. Some movies are not going to make the cut just yet. For example, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Basically, anything that is currently on Netflix for the next few months will not be available on Disney+. Plus. Mm. Once the contract expires in the United States, they will then bring them over to Disney+. Plus. Some things I'm kind of bummed out are not going to be on there. For example, we are not going to be seeing the 1967 Spider-Man series, nor are we going to see the 1966 Marvel superheroes show or whatever that was called. We're not seeing spectacular Spider-Man from the year of our Lord, 2009. That won't be on there because of a connection with Sony. Sony owns the television distribution rights for that. And it was produced by Sony as well as the 2003 MTV Spider-Man show. Yowza MTV. That's right. Yeah. I was out of that time period. So did not, experience the 2003 spider-man it's interesting it, it visually it does not age that well but at the time it was visually stunning but of course now you look at it and it's very clunky very whatever well However, so it would have been the uh what, what came before that too what spider-man and his amazing friends of course which i can't place the year on that but, but i'm of thinking course, eddie, ladies of course eddie you're showing your prejudice against the 1990s tv shows such as 1994 spider-man yeah which right. will be on disney plus day one but, of course, the biggest one of all of the Marvel properties coming to Disney Plus is X-Men, the animated series from 1992. Shout out to Julia and Erica Leewald of Previously on X-Men, the writers of that fine book, which I'm actually getting my own physical copy in the next few days. Mm. I actually I ordered it off of their website. I believe it's uh, Jacob Brown Books. Just Google uh, Previously on X-Men and Jacob Brown, and then you'll find it on there. And if you buy it off of their site, they actually signed it for you. So I'm going to have a signed copy. Oh, look at that. Okay. 
well, I, can, I will when the package arrives. I will look at it. Eddie. Yes, yes, good move. <laughs> Eddie, what's up there? Why are you Unlike rolling your the, eyes? The, the face, I, my eyeballs raised to the ceiling. And turning into the undertaker. And the mouth going into a frown. But the idea of that series, when Disney Plus did their announcements of, it was, I believe, uh, this past Monday on Twitter, as of this recording on October 15th, they ended up announcing like through a Twitter thread. So every few seconds they would release, okay, in chronological order of the year it was released. So they went from like 1930-something because of Snow White all the way to 2019. Hmm. All of this stuff is available on there and you're seeing like different things. 1992 comes along and X-Men, the animated series, is announced. And last I saw, it got over 7,000 likes on Twitter, which was one of the biggest reactions of all the announcements of all the show and movie announcements and some people think oh it's just you know people don't really care about that stuff bullshit well for <laughs> seven thousand, i mean come on i'll actually check the tweet right now because i'm really interested in seeing what it is but i remember i think even at one point it was nine thousand so yeah you know sometimes a seven it looks like a nine except for the line through the you know that kind of thing i always like that version of doing a nine yeah. or seven sorry <laughs> And remember, seven, eight, nine. Yes, exactly. It's a, it's a hunger number thing, right? But let's see, getting close, trying to find the tweet in my favorites. It's thinking. Yeah. Oh, Lordy, is it? <laughs> let's see. It is. Oh, come on. <laughs> it is at 13.7 thousand likes. Okay. That's impressive. That's very impressive for this, as well as, let me tell you people, in comparison, the announcement of Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, it's only got 3,505 as of this moment. You compare it to that movie? Yes. I am going to compare it to Sister Act 2, <laughs> Back in the Habit. Okay. By I'll, the way, Sister I'll Act number that. one will also be available on Disney+, Plus. in case any of you were wondering. Well, wonder no more. I know. Yeah, also, sure. Doug's first movie that's going to be on there from the year of our Lord, 1999. So, like, honestly, I'm excited to see what can be done with Disney Plus because there's going to be a lot of original programming. I know there's going to be The World According to Jeff Goldblum, which... Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. There's, like, again, this is not a commercial. I wish we were getting paid for this because, believe me, I would be a lot more animated than I am right now if we were getting paid for this. <laughs> but just the idea of so much content is going to be available on this streaming platform. And one person did a video on, you know, I believe on YouTube or Twitter or something, but he's talking about the announcement of X-Men. He's like, I have had it with all these streaming services. I pay for Hulu. I pay for Amazon Prime. I pay for Netflix. I pay for this. I'm not going to do one more streaming service. Oh, wait a minute. Disney Plus is adding X-Men the Animated Series? Oh, what's one more streaming service? <laughs> and it's only $6? What a bargain. It's no. one of those where streaming platforms are a bit of an issue. I am tired of adding one more streaming service to my list. But for the content that you're getting on the Disney Plus platform, yeah, it is kind of cool. Although there are people you know, complaining, oh, why couldn't you just buy the DVDs or torrent them? Maybe because sometimes people want to support the things they like. Yes, Disney is a multi-billion dollar company. Yes, I get that. But sometimes people don't want to be hassled with physical media. Sometimes people don't want to be hassled with the legalities of doing torrents. 
Sometimes people just feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Almond Joy spun out anyway. Wow. Now, in regards to also don't all... want to be hassled. Yeah. I mean, what... Because I've not done any of this. What does the streaming service... What can that run you? What's the range? It depends, really. Like, for example, I'm doing DC Universe, which is seven ninety nine a month. Mm-hmm. Or you can do a yearly thing, which I'm actually planning on doing in the very near future, knocking it down to 70-something dollars a year as opposed to monthly, which adds up over 12 months. Yeah. Or you as, have, as it would, you know. You have Netflix, which I believe is 12 or 13. Amazon Prime, which is 15. A lot of people I know, however, they cancel their cable packages and just go off and do that instead. Yes, I know at least one also. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with that, but my thing is also... I am one of those people. I do prefer physical media. And there are – so there was one person in a Twitter thread or a Facebook post that goes, why couldn't they – they could just buy the X-Men instead of, you know, going on doing another streaming platform. Yeah. Well, sometimes you don't want to pay $36 for just one volume of a series because mm. right now if you go on Amazon, I believe volume one of the X-Men is $12. Volume two is going for $36 and it's a two-disc set because it's out of print. Volume three is, I think, 14. Volume four is a little bit more. I think it's like 20-something. And then, again, each of these are two discs each. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where does that justification of that price come from? Scalpers. That's where it comes from. And then volume, I think, five is 12. <laughs> so you're... All right. So you can. Can't. Do you really want to pay almost or over $100 for one TV show? I don't think so. I actually paid a lot less for my run of the uh, X-Men. I believe I paid in total, I think, 20 bucks for all of it. Mm. Because I, when there was a store, if you were in the United States, if you're international, I believe in the UK, it's still around, but there's a store called CEX, which sold DVDs for like some shows, two to four dollars a season. A season. Yikes. That's a good deal. That's tremendous. I remember I once went there because I'm a big Batman fan. And I lo- specifically, I love Batman the Animated Series, and I love Batman 66. And I remember getting Return to the Batcave, which is an out-of-print, made-for-TV movie starring Adam West and Burt Ward for $6. Go on eBay, goes for about 60 to 100 Mm-hmm. Okay. I just feel the idea of the streaming platforms, yes, it's going to be a lot of stuff, but on the flip side, it's less, in a lot of ways than hunting down something expensive. And I mean, I I do streaming for, or I do digital for comics and I do the uh, the monthly platforms like, you know, Comixology Unlimited, Marvel Unlimited, DC Universe, and I read comics on there. In I have not bought many, like many paperbacks and trades in a while in comparison to doing digital, you know? Because it's also a space issue, you know? You can only have so much space to have X amount of stuff. Like George Carlin, a place for my stuff. That's right, and that's the whole the whole thing about having a home and the rule of space. The more you have, the more you need. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And in regards to, like I said, sometimes the justification of price can be a bit of a pain in the ass. Like, I love Marvel Cosmic. I think Marvel Cosmic is like my favorite, one of my favorite branches of the Marvel universe, other than like the Street Vigilantes. And I recently. Last year, after Infinity War came out, I was obsessed with stuff with Thanos. And as a result, I was also like, well, I need to get the Dan Abnett or the Abning and Lanet run of Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest and this and this. Annihilation Conquest in paperback, volumes one and two, have been out of print for a number of years. Those books, on average, go for about 
$30 to $70 a piece. And wait, a compilation or? Yeah, because they're out of print. And as a result, they will mark the price up on Amazon, on eBay, because once they see something is out of print, they they will overvalue it, make it more than it should be. Yeah, supply and demand. Here we go. For example, I ended up getting my hands on in New Paltz of all places for I think cover price was like 16 bucks, Marvel Essential, Doctor Strange, Volume 1. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, the black and white collection, whatever. Yep. And it's kind of cool to also see Steve Ditko pencils and, you know, inked pencils in black and white because you don't need the color, but it also can help sometimes, whatever. I get that. I go on Amazon and I look at how much a used copy of that book is going for because it's out of print and because it's Ditko and it's because it's an essential because of how much content is in that book. Guess how much it was going for? 50 I don't know. $200. <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah. And yeah. it's, I love the place. I love going there whenever I'm down in New York City. As of this recording, I'll be making a pit stop over there before I go to the Avengers VR damage control thing, which I'm really excited for, as well as going to see the original Misfits at Madison Square Garden. Whoa! That's my Glenn Danzig impression. Like he was in the studio right now. But. Not over here. Yeah. It was the living shits. But I'm going to make a stop over at Book Off. And Book Off is this used bookstore, video game store, and toy store as well. Like they sell used toys. Not those kind of toys you perverts. You know what? But <laughs> Half of me, when you said the value of this book, this Marvel Essentials, Doctor Strange Volume 1, half of me was waiting for you to say, and I flipped it. No, I, I, certain things I can't flip and certain okay. things I will. But when I went in there, I'm... I like collecting also Daredevil stuff because, like I said, vigilante. I love Durder. Saves mm. syllables too, doesn't it? Saves time with less syllables. One? Yeah. But you can do so much more stuff. Yeah, one more syllable, more stuff. Yeah. But in regards to that, I ended up getting from Ollie's when they had like, you know, their cheap books. Because if you go to Ollie's, they have like a ton of graphic novels there. And like you'll find some really good stuff. And I found my – I got my hands on – I believe it was volume – one and two of the Ed Brubaker Daredevil or Durder. And I went on Amazon and then I went to Book Off. Book Off is a store where they will take the books, the prices, and have then have them match Amazon or eBay, which kind of sucks. Mm, I don't know. So I found Daredevil Ultimate Collection Volume 3 by Ed Brubaker for the low, low price used – one hundred and eighty-six dollars for a thirty-dollar book. Brubaker did this along the same time frame as his Captain America stuff, or yes, <clears throat> okay. But this, it's in the regular run of Daredevil. Yeah, and it's like I said, okay. it's, it's a compilation, as you call them, a trade paperback. Should be thirty dollars, hundred and eighty-six because yeah. supply and demand, baby. Now, also speaking of supply and demand, we're also going to talk about. The demand for more stuff with Incredible Hulk from the year of our Lord, 2008. Can you hear him raging outside that they want more Incredible Hulk 2008 stuff with Ed Norton? Do you know what Ed Norton's doing right now, Eddie? Ed Norton. Uh, he's not turning green. He, oh, he is, he is certainly not. But. Not to get paid to turn green. Right now there's rumors going around on the interwebs that someone from that movie is going to be making an appearance in She-Hulk. Oh, yes. Liv Tyler. Mm-hmm. Liv Tyler, who was the love interest of Ed Norton, now Mark Ruffalo, technically. Bet. 
T. Betty Ross, the general's may, daughter, may be showing up in She-Hulk. Which and, is in talks, <clears throat> but I guess we don't have anything more than other than She-Hulk down the line somewhere. A lot of people have been saying in regards to this, oh my God, they're actually acknowledging this movie again. <laughs> because let's be honest, they really have not. Other than Thunderbolt Ross showing up in Civil War and I believe Infinity War and Endgame, other than that, haven't really utilized that character. Haven't really acknowledged those mo- that movie. That movie, because of the recasting of the Hulk, is the red-headed stepchild of the MCU. You can do whatever you want in regards to Iron Man with Terrence Howard. Just, you know, whatever. He became, you know, Don Cheadle because they look so much alike. Next time, baby. <sighs> it's That's still the one cast recast. I'm like, they don't even look alike. <laughs> Like, I, I know why they did it, because the finger thing means money. Cha-ching. But it's like, if you if you got to recast, have it be somebody that looks like somebody. Like, no. But it's doesn't... the right actor for the right job. Yeah. And also, Mark Ruffalo does not at all look like Edward Norton, so. Yeah, but they got his face on the green skin Goliath. They got the right actor in the right spot. Yes. I just like the idea of... Consistency. I like the idea of acknowledging the past. And yeah, Incredible Hulk is not a good movie from 2008. I actually just recently bought it, though, for my uh, Marvel Digital Collection on iTunes because screw it, I'm missing that movie. I need it already. It was 10 bucks. Number not? two in the whole lineup. Jeez. I'm actually only missing nine movies, or I think eight movies now digitally in the MCU. Oh, okay. Because when uh, what I like to do is I like buying the movies on Blu ray and using the digital code and whatever. You know, redeeming that in my account. Oh. So I can have, like, my whole... You should see my movie collection, and it's all just, like, movies that I got, you know, whatever. But should I? Just, yeah. Mm, yeah. But in regards to that, like I said, the whole... Going back over to the streaming thing. I like the idea of the ability of getting anything you want to watch faster than you can move your fingers. It's cool. Yeah. And... it's. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming to Disney Plus that, damn, there's going to be... Like, we are getting so much new content, not just to watch, but for us to talk about. There's a possibility. We haven't really fully discussed it. Well, we kind of have off mic, but we might be doing something with Patreon pertaining to Disney Plus. We're not going to say what it is yet, but when you hear it... You'll you'll know. know. Yeah. And let's see... There's just stuff that we'll be able to discover for the first time, too. Spider-Woman from 1979. I've never watched that show. Never heard of it. Never knew it existed. Barely knew, and that's about as far as I can go, yeah. And I'm going to watch that day one. Yeah. There's Also, next month, we might as well just say we're going to be doing a Disney Plus-themed kind of month. It's going to be themed, but not really. It's We'll figure it out, but it's complicated. Or it sure sounds like it's complicated. He's here, but he's not here. He's yeah. here, but he's not here. Okay, right. Trevor, actor, yes. The idea, though, in regards to... Hashtag, where's the Mandarin? Yeah. There's the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. In regards to the Disney Plus stuff that's going to be coming out, like I said, there's even stuff that we might we might be doing one or two episodes about things that are not Marvel, but it's going to be Marvel, not Marvel, but you should still know this. For example, people... <laughs> Be sure to watch The Rocketeer. That's all we're going to say. The movie that was out how many years ago? Mm-hmm. Stay tuned, true believers. 
Because there's a reason we're going to be doing something with that. That's all I'm going to say. Blast off. Okay, that's that's a bet. Now let's blast off into our interview with the voice of Spider-Man on PlayStation 4, as well as Spider-Man in Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 on the Nintendo Switch, available now in stores, and also Spider-Man Game of the Year Edition, available in stores. Let's go over that interview with Yuri Lowenthal, and that interview starts right All right, this is going to be a very special interview right now, and as a lifelong fan of video games and a lifelong fan of Marvel, I am beyond thrilled to have somebody else who is part of another part of a lifelong obsession. This is a terrible intro, but anyway, we got Yuri Lowenthal of Spider-Man fame. Yuri, how are you? <laughs> I, you know, that wasn't a terrible intro. They're, they're usually too polished, and I applaud you for that one. No, they're usually longer, <laughs> was, so you're spared. <laughs> it was messy in the best way possible. Oof. So, first off, Yuri, you're Spider-Man. Where do you that get the web fluid? <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that still feels good to, to uh, hear somebody say that out loud, because I, I still wake up every morning going, was that just some sort of weird dream that I had? Um, uh, I, where do I get my web fluid? Yeah. Amazon, like everybody else. I was going to say Acme. That prime shipping is fantastic, even web fluid. <laughs> Oscorp. <laughs> right. You know, those those are those are both better uh, better uh, answers than Amazon. The latest offshoot yeah, of uh, Roxxon Energy. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, you're going with the really deep cuts for Marvel right now. I'm appreciating that. I am straight. <laughs> but in regards to the Spider-Man game, first off, how did you get the call for the role of Peter Parker? Uh, it was it was uh, that was multi-layered. That was uh, a great number of calls. Um, it actually started because I had worked on. Uh, uh, Sunset Overdrive with Insomniac uh, before Spider-Man, and when they got sort of the audition for Spider-Man as a company, where, whereas you know I, I imagine a, a bunch of companies were doing it, they came to me and they said, "Hey, we have to, we want to record an audition uh, for us to uh, to basically throw our hat in the ring for this game. Would you come and just do a temp voice for for Peter Parker?" And I was like, "Of course, I will do that." Um, and they had somebody do uh, Norman Osborn as well, and it was a scene. It was just a scene between the two of us. And they're like, okay, thanks. Uh, and I'm like, great, I hope you get it. And then uh, a long time later, uh, probably almost a year later, uh, they, they had gotten the game and they were, they, were, they were starting production on it. And I think actually somebody else was, was hired for Peter. I think somebody, um, they, I, don't, I still don't know who it was, but they had, they had hired somebody, I think a, a TV actor. And and it just didn't work out, which happens all the time. I, I get I still get fired uh, on occasion, and uh, it's part of part of being a pro. Um, but then they they put the call out for for Peter Parker again, and um, so I started auditioning. Uh, it was funny. I had a mohawk at the time, and they were having us audition both, you know, to do the performance capture and uh, the voice. They wanted somebody they could uh, they could have uh, working with with both. And uh, I came in with this mohawk, and they were like, ah, you know, no, that's the haircut from Sunset Overdrive, but we'll, uh, we'll give you a pass on this since it's not even going to look like you. Um, and, and then it was just a series of auditions and callbacks and auditions and callbacks, and they had, you know, the best, like, I mean, people I work with all the time, hugely talented people, some who have played Spider-Man before and some who haven't, and, and then I, I finally got it and was obviously uh, over the moon because I'm an old-school comic book nerd, so this is, uh, this is one of the... Greatest moments of my life. 
Uh, uh, pretty old school. I am uh, I'm 48 now, which meant that I was when we were when we were doing it. I was it was like uh, you know mid 40s because it took us three. I've worked on it for three years. Um, so so yeah so. Uh, um, but but I but I right my vocal cords sound young, which which is good, because um, it uh, it's it's my bread and butter, um, and but but it's lucky that I have a uh, I had really good uh, stunt people to do all the the Spidey stuff. So when we're we're doing the performance capture, if it's Peter doing you know awkward things, or if it's Spider Man basically just standing there or walking from one place to another, um, that's often my face and body. But as soon as Spider-Man has to do anything cool, uh, which is most of the game, uh, those were uh, my two super awesome stunt doubles, um, uh, Ross and Seth, uh, who who are who bring the, the the spider to Spider-Man really in this game. That's what I was going to ask too, and not having except for seeing something um, about the top five moments or scenes in the game, and not listening. Um, just trying to follow along what was going on and not listening too, too intently on the voices. Was there more than one person voicing Peter versus Spider-Man or with the technology available now? I mean, it's not like, you know, production where it was all real to real and that stuff, you know, just right. distorting and changing the voice. It could be the same person, but maybe not. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, the voice was, was always me. Um, the face was always me. Um, the, uh, the movements, uh, were mostly uh, stunt guys who who you know fly and and flip and swing for a living. Uh, and I was happy to give that up to those guys because, uh, <laughs> like we alluded to earlier, I'm uh, I'm no I'm no spring chicken. Nor nor honestly nor honestly could I do any of those things even when I was you know in my twenties. So or or would result yeah. some kind of injury. No, and I'm right there with you because I'm about what six years older than you. Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. So, so old school comic book guy yourself. So I am. Yes, we are. There we go. As he sips out of a Spider-Man mug. Dang right it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good. Mm. No, I, I'm, I'm imagining you guys both dressed as Spider-Man right now. So, so that works. Um, no, I have done a, a, a Spider-Man, but with the puffy muscles. It's not the real thing. I because I'm not worthy <laughs> for I've, sure. I've, I've also done Peter B. Parker because I have dad bod. So, yeah, hey, I, don't... I, I hear it's a it's a man. That that opened up so many good cosplays for normal people. To <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just not I can't do the character justice like that. <laughs> in regards to the your portrayal of the character, by the way, in regards to that, mm -hmm. one of the things that a lot of people have said was how it is considered the best interpretation of the Peter Parker Spider-Man story. And when you hear that high praise, where it's people have said that it's even better than the movies. How does that make you feel to hear that? Uh, like I'm, again, like I'm living a dream. Like you, you say that, and 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 I get all shy and weird about it, which I guess is is uh, the the Peter Parker thing to do. But um, I'm I'm. It's it's such an honor. I I don't I don't say this lightly because, like I said, I grew up with this character and these characters and uh, in this world, and I had you know i have seen and heard so many different spider-men to you know to come before me and it, and it is you know i we'll, we'll get back to it. we had to get there eventually right i i i did feel like it was a great responsibility uh to to carry this mantle and i'll be honest with you for three years that i was working on it i was terrified that i was going to mess it up um and that it was that I was going to ruin everybody's childhood or everybody's, you know, ruin Spider-Man for a whole new generation, whatever. Um, 
and that people responded as well as they did, which, you know, is in part to my performance, but is in great part to the, the, the amazing writing that we got, the story that they told, the, the other actors who, you know, like, you know, Bill Salyer's coming in and crushing it as, as Doc Ock. Um, he, I could not have gotten to, to, to where I was without, you know, acting with those people, um, you know, on the, on the mocap stage and um, just, just, just knowing what they were doing in the, in the VO booth. Um, so, so it was definitely a group effort. Uh, see, I, I got nervous when you said those that that when you said that praise like that, and I started rambling. But um, it, it it truly is a great honor that and a, and a and I felt a great responsibility. Um, and and I'm I'm over I'm overjoyed that people have responded in the way they have. Well, obviously, you know, Yuri, that the people who hired you must have seen or heard something that said, "Yeah, he can do this," and they put their trust and faith and money in, in in you and that kind of thing so so but i, I can I, understand yeah. the nerves that's look you want to do it yeah. care. and and when i felt yeah and when i felt very nervous i had to go back to that i had to know that i mean a this this whole team at insomniac uh were all they're all the, the spider-man fans of the highest level and they were not gonna let me mess this up um and so if there was ever anything that we needed to tweak or ever anything where where I was floundering or, you know, they felt they could help, they always stepped in and did it because everybody loves, everybody on this project loves Spider-Man so much. That I um, thought of quickly, yeah. though, that when, you know, when Peter said, you know, uh, better than the movie, and I'm saying to myself, well, sarcastically, does it come with that movie actor paycheck, too? Um, and I don't need you to divulge numbers or anything like that, because that's your business. Sure. But I don't know, um, you know, if it's in a movie or now in a game, are they competitive in terms of what you can actually get uh, paid for, you know, doing that. No, no. Yeah, the, 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 the short, the short answer is no. Um, there, there is still a huge pay gap as, you know, between, um, you know, like a Hollywood level, what a Hollywood level role like that would pay um, and what it pays in game. But, but I'm also not going to say like, I got to work, you know, as a, as an actor to have a job that goes on, obviously not every day. We didn't record every day for three years, but to know that I had work for three years as, as an actor who makes my living on a, you know, as, as like a, you know, on a freelance basis, like we all do, um, was, was huge. And um, so for, for me, it was... It was huge. I figured that was the answer to the question before I even yeah. asked it. But, but then I thought, well, geez, maybe it depends on how much time you had to do with this game and so on. Maybe that had, had a, you know, a factor in, in there. Well, sure. I, I recorded. I recorded a lot of sessions, and it adds up, um, uh, which was which was great because I had uh, uh, I, my wife, who's also in the game, um, uh, found out. You know, we were we were pregnant uh, as right as right about the time we started the game. So, whoever, what is that? They say with a baby, a loaf of bread, or whatever. Um, it was it was good timing. Now, in regards to your portrayal of the character, one person on Twitter. At Mutant Jedi Mouse, that's a hell of a Twitter name. They ask, right. "What's your opinion on the Marvel Gamerverse, and where do you see PS4 Spidey in the future?" I would love to see any uh, PS4 Spidey in the future. Um, I I think they have they've opened up such a great uh, such a great playing field to tell stories that you're either not you're not going to see you know you're not going to see in the MCU um, with characters that that might you might not see in the MCU either. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping it opens it up not only for, for Spider-Man and, and, and new villains and, 
really innovative storytelling, but also other Marvel characters that I love. <clears throat> Moon Knight, um, you know, to have... Uh, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be crazy if we got a Moon Knight game before? Although I hear they just announced a Moon Knight animated series, which, you know, obviously is a long time coming, but I, I would love to... I don't know. It, I would just love to see it grow and grow. In regards to uh, Moon Knight, I believe he, yeah, he's going to be a part of the uh, downloadable content of Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 for the Nintendo Switch. And with the whole Gamerverse thing, I believe you also do the voice of Spidey in uh, Ultimate Alliance 3, correct? I do. I do. Yeah, they, they, uh, they, they came to me after the Spider-Man game came out and they said, would you be willing to? And I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> and he, A, it's Spider-Man again. And B, anytime somebody comes to you and says, you don't have to audition for this. We'd like to offer it to you. Um, you just say yes. I love the fact that it was you that did the voice because it it makes all these games now interconnected. They're a part of this, you know, again, the big multiverse, you know, kind of thing. And when I was at New York Comic Con this past year, we got to do, you know, some stuff with Square Enix for the Avengers game that's coming out for PS4 uh -huh. and everything and got to play that. And I'm wondering... Are those voices also the same ones that were in Ultimate Alliance? Are they going to show up in other games? And I just I love that. I don't know. I love that game reverse concept. It's fantastic. Yeah, and, and although although this it's it's funny because it's it's my voice, but it's a different Spider-Man, um, which which is which was interesting to do having just come off the other game. They're like, it's not exactly the same Spider-Man. Um, we were thinking maybe you know maybe he's a little younger, maybe he's a little bit of this, maybe he's a little bad, and then we created you know a similar but different Spider-Man voice for it. When the question was just asked then again about uh, the future of Spider-Man PS4, I just thought, oh, Spider-Man PS4 2099. Oh, which is which is when the next game comes out, by the way. I'm kidding. I, I know. No, I don't. I don't know. When, I, I keep waiting for my phone to ring. I, I know. Look, we're, we're, nobody's stu stupid here. We know they're making uh, Spider-Man 2. They have to be. The first one, you know, made too much money. Uh, but they're probably spending time on the script because they know that... <laughs> That that first game was so well written. They're like, we can't let the fans down again. But, but I, I keep I keep waiting for my phone to ring. I hope it's, it's soon. It's much like Spider Verse, the Spider Verse movie, where it took them a number of years to make, and they wanted to make that perfect. And yeah. I'm appreciating that as opposed to you know, this is just my personal opinion. Hey, let's do Venom two two years immediately. Hey, let's see whatever we can do. Whereas Spider Verse was well tuned, well done, and then you have. Spider-Man for the PS4, again, an amazing physics engine, great control, just a wonderful story. And that took time. And that is where I'm just like, yeah. take your time, do do your thing. You go do you. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not like, I'm waiting for that phone call, but I don't want them to rush anything. Because you're right, because the Spider-Verse movie was amazing. I mean, it was so good. I mean, we're, we're, we live in a good time for Spider-Man these days when you've got Spider-Verse and you've got the PS4 game. And, um, you know, the, the, the recent movies are no slouch either. Um, you know, everybody's got their opinion, but, but I've really enjoyed them so far. You know what? Super, very elementary, basic question, because that's me. I know what you're going for. How long does it take to play this game? I did not think that would be the question. <laughs> <laughs> How long I'm could you, you find yourself? you still surprise each other. So? It um, happens. Ugh. We finish each well, other's sandwiches. Well, I'll, I'll get to the, I'll get to the, the embarrassing part. I haven't finished. I, I did not play through the whole thing, because, again, I have well, a three-year-old. And, yeah. um, and, I'm, and I'm, I used to game a lot, and in recent years I haven't, and I just found the, the, the curve for me getting back into it was taking too much time. <laughs> and 
So I, I haven't finished it, but maybe, maybe you can talk to somebody else on this call. How long does it take to finish the game? So in regards to that, when the game came out, it was like, I believe, uh, mid-September, right? Beginning to mid-September. Mm -hmm. I didn't finish the game until, I want to say, December or January. But everyone I knew a month later at New York Comic Con, oh, man, that game was so great. I beat that like within two days. I'm like, why would you rush that? It was beautiful. Don't, yeah. don't do that. But I would say on average, maybe like a two weeks, something like that. Yeah. That's without okay. the DLC. And, and then, and then uh, with or without DLC. Cause, uh, cause I know the, I know a lot of people have varying uh, attitudes towards DLC. They're like, Oh, this is just stuff. They couldn't, you know, rush in time to get to the game. But oh, I was the DLC the was DLC. always meant to be, you know, more and different. And they worked just as hard on that as they did uh, on the game. Yeah. And it, you know, in regards to the DLC, we have a uh, question from a Twitter user as well at private Spidey. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a good one. I like that one. Uh, what was your favorite suit in the game? Um, I would say, because I can't even keep up. I mean, they've been really good at bringing, at bringing out suits. I, I like Spider-Punk. I like Scarlet Spider. And I, and I like the, the Future Foundation suit, which was not a suit that I was familiar with from the comics. Um, but I just love the way it looks. <laughs> yeah. well, is it <laughs> the Future honest. Foundation one from Black and White? The, Black, uh, yeah. Hick, the Hickman run. Yeah, right, of, uh, okay. of FF. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and um, and I, I mean I'm a fan of Spider-Man Noir uh, for for a number of different reasons. So I guess I guess if I had to pick a top four, um, those would be my four. And then uh, you know without it goes without saying that you know the advanced suit, the the you know the white spider suit, is kind of I, I take some ownership of that. So so I'm not even going to include that because that will always be at the top of the list. That will always be the Spider-Man that I got to be. So. You go. And the Spider-Man that you got to be even got referenced in Spider-Man Far From Home. The uh, development team, they went to a screening of Far From Home. And at the end of the movie, you see Spider-Man thwipping his way through New York City. And he's on his phone, takes a selfie, and he does the little peace sign just like Peter Parker I does. know! <laughs> I know. It was great. And they referenced the suit in the Spider-Verse movie, which um, well, you could, it was sent all our heads spinning. And it, It's such a... Again... Last year and this year, with, with the exception of about, I think, five or six weeks, was an amazing time to be a Spider-Man fan. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, I have to ask, and this, this was the question I thought Eddie was going to ask. All right. Out of all of the live action performances, who is your personal favorite Spider-Man? Oh, man. I, th I think I'm going to have to go back to Toby during that, um, the Sam Raimi period. Um, and, and, you know... Including um, all the stuff that nobody liked that Toby did uh, later on in the series, uh, he was just my he was my Spider-Man um, when I was watching Spider-Man movies. Um, I love Holland um, as well, um, and I will be honest, I didn't even being a fan and even being a big movie guy. Somehow I missed the Garfield ones. I still to this day haven't seen them. Now I love Andrew Garfield as a performer, um, but I haven't seen either of those two movies. Believe it or not. I remember when I saw the first one, I enjoyed what I saw, but the second one, uh, the less said the better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair enough. In regards to you know the movies and everything, and of course that includes Spider Verse. Could you would you take the opportunity? I know this. I know your answer. Would you love to be a part of a Spider Verse two? One thousand percent. That's also that's also a phone I'm waiting to you know for my phone. I'm waiting for my phone to ring for that one. I have no. Uh, reason to believe that they would uh that they would necessarily reach out but i would love it if they did i would that that's an easy easy yes i honestly 
just in regards to that, I would love to see your Spider-Man interact with Peter B. Parker as well as Miles, just because. And I'd love to just see, you know, hear your character go, oh, I know Miles. Oh, you're a different Miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Spider-Verse definitely opens up a door to the gaming aspect of things now. And wow, <laughs> the universe just got a lot of really, really, really bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really did. There, there's... There are so many opportunities now. I keep bumping it. That's three times, Melnick. What are you doing to that microphone? Once, twice, three times a microphone. <sighs> That's a Commodore song for crying out loud. Yuri, I'm sorry. We had to forewarn you. There are song references scattered throughout any podcast. I, I, I am I am, I am, okay with that. As a, as a big uh, music lover, I, uh, that one did not skate by un, un, unnoticed. So let's do some, some faves of yours or decades of music. What do you got? Oh, man. Um, I, I throw a I couple the out 19- there. I don't know. I, 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 I love the 1940s for jazz. Oh, okay. I, I love, I love the, uh, I love the 80s for pop, and I love the 90s for, um, for like a resurgence of of and and a transformation of punk rock. I grew up in, uh, I grew up in Washington D.C. during the era of uh, Nirvana, of, uh, Fugazi, and Bad Brains, and 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 so I, I grew up in that, and um, so that was. Uh, that was that then moving into uh, you know everything that was happening in in the northwest um so that was that was a big part of my childhood so you didn't hear about the grunge movement you lived through it <laughs> i wasn't I wasn't quite far enough northwest to live through the grunge part of it but um but everything leading up to that yeah okay now in regards to music with peter b or peter parker what would some of his favorites kind of be because i think i think you know a little bit about the peter parker persona yeah um and you know somebody asked me this once on on twitter uh and they they said Hey, um, I would love to curate a, a Spotify list for what um, for what Peter would be listening to as he's swinging around the city, and and I was like, oh, that's a great. I would love to do that. And then it took me forever to get back to him because I was so nervous about trying to figure out what Peter would listen to. And then I finally went, well, I'm Peter in this case, and so there are no wrong answers. So let me just put what I would listen to. And let's see what happens. And if you go to Spotify, I don't know exactly how to find it now, but there is a there is a uh, a list that this guy curated for me. I sent him a list of songs, and um, you can go find out yourself <laughs> on Spotify. Okay. Alrighty. So at Terry Lee Life asks, in reality, do you see yourself as Spider Hyphen Man? Meaning, like, do you ever go like, what would Peter do or Spider Man do in the situation? Whether that's eating, going to sleep, just your daily routine in general. I think about it a lot more than I used to. That's for sure. Um, although back to sort of to, to jump off of what I what I just said, um, I I have I've adopted this Peter as as myself. So the things that I would do would be the things that that Peter would do, um, and and vice versa. It goes it goes back and forth. And yeah. one of the, one of the things that I feel a lot of people the reason they also say why they love this version of the character in this story is because you have more time to spend with these characters and you have a better feel for them because much like the connection and love affair people had of the Netflix series of the Defenders and them, you have much more time to invest in this version of Peter Parker. And I feel this, I felt more comfortable with this Peter Parker than any other version of the character because you're him, you're doing things, you're seeing his his scattered relationships with everyone around him and it's it's something magical that I feel the benefit of a game has. 
100% agree. It's almost unfair to compare the game to, uh, you know, a movie or, uh, you know, a, a single comic book or even, you know, a single run of, you know, a single story uh, that, that, yeah, A, you imprint because you're playing the game and you're doing it all, and B, you have so much time to explore those, the, the relationships and the, and the environment and the, and the life. Have you checked out the adaptations of the comic the, that they did recently for the PS4 the game? City at War? Yes. I, I had been waiting, I had been waiting to, uh, for the, the trade paperbacks to come out because I'm miserable. I don't have a pull box anymore because I, I rarely go in, in the shop anymore. Um, but I've been waiting for the trades to come out so that I could pick them up. And I think, I think the first one did come out, didn't it, recently? Yeah, that just ended a few yeah. months ago. And Velocity, I, I don't know what Velocity's about. I picked up the first two issues okay. and I still haven't touched them. But yeah, I, I will. I will definitely get to them. I'm, I'm excited. Just the idea again, you know, it's I believe Eddie has a couple issues of the City at War book and, you know, he's never played it, but he gets to experience the story. No, I, you know what I just read? I think it was, was a four, five or six parts, six part series, I think, in the comic. And when we visited the Marvel offices, one of the free comic books, we got a couple of free ones, was uh, part five of City at War. And I think I kind of looked through that kind of quickly and said, well, this is a different look and feel and so on. So I need to go back and readdress that and see about, yeah. you know, getting the whole run of that little series. All, all, all I know is that Spider-Geddon made uh, Spider-Cop canon, and that's all I care about. Oh, I love Spider-Cop. You and me both. It's such, like, who's the one that thought of that joke? I love that recurring joke throughout the game. That was Ben, ben Arfman was one of the writers on the game. And one of the head writers, and he was trying to figure out a way to make uh, tutorials stuff interesting. And he came, he, he, he couldn't do it, he couldn't do it, he couldn't do it. He, he went through, you know, iteration after iteration and got really frustrated and came up with this spider cop thing and went, they're never going to go for this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pitch it. And even when we went in to record it, they're like, look, nobody thinks this is going to work, but let's see what happens. Now, our two final questions that we're going to ask in here are listener questions, but they're not pertaining to Spider-Man. They're going to be questions pertaining to general voiceover work that you've done. And this I one comes it. from Tom Klein asking, ask him which were his favorite roles and who among them would win in a fight and which Persona game is your favorite? Oh, man. Um, that, that, okay, the, the, uh, in no particular order, that, that first uh, Persona 4 game, I think of, of all the Persona games that I've worked on, um, gave birth to Yosuke, uh, the character that I played, and so so that will always be my favorite. Um, some of my, you know, it's it's always hard to pick a favorite, uh, but but I will say, um, and it, it happened early on in my career, and I haven't been able to shake this guy, the, the Prince from the Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, uh, which we came, we came back a couple of other games to to do, but nothing nothing ever quite matched the magic of of that game and that character for me, um, so. So if I had to, so if, if the prince fought Spider-Man, oh man, you know, I think, woof. I mean, you know, the prince could rewind time, which is something that Spider-Man would definitely grapple with. And Cher would be a fan of it, at least. Oh. See? Oh, wow. The, back, back to the music, right? <laughs> um, we technically got Peter Parker to sing Cher, and I'm really proud of that moment. <laughs> It was all building up to this, wasn't it? Sure was. Wow. Can't, well, can't top that now. Yeah, we'll yeah, have yeah. to hang up the microphones and the headphones. <laughs> right. Now, the next question comes from Rob Lucase, and he wants to know, out of the roles you've done for Rooster Teeth, which is more fun, Neil from Camp Camp 
or Mercury from RWBY? Definitely Neil from Camp Camp. Uh, nothing against nothing against Ruby, but um, but the the writing on Camp Camp is so funny, and Neil is so ridiculous. Um, they've they've created some amazing things for me to to say, <laughs> and uh, so it will. My my heart will always be with Neil. Hashtag Camp Adium. Now, before we go, my my last question is: uh, Nolan North is synonymous with the role of Deadpool. And mm-hmm. you're synonymous now with the role of Spider-Man. I I love every time you say it, yes. I, yep, yep. But do you think we'll ever see Deadpool meet Spider-Man where you both of the roles merge together and just have some chimichangas and maybe <laughs> an, some pizza time? I, I will say this. I sincerely, having read a bunch of uh, books, you know that that uh, that go into the uh, the Deadpool Spider Man romance, and it's not a bromance; it's a full on romance. Um, I would, and 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 besides the fact that that Nolan and I have our own sort of romance in real life, I would, I would welcome that like nobody's business. I think that would be a really really smart move, um, but I don't know how that stuff works. But again, easy yes. It, it would be that's one of those. We actually ran a poll on our uh, Twitter page, and it was a joke poll. But who is the best love interest of Spider-Man? And we had MJ, Gwen, Black Cat, and Wade Wilson. And Wade was winning for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm proud to hear that. I was so happy. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, so good. So good. Yuri, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for being. A damn good Spider-Man. Oh, Eddie, Peter, thank you for asking me to to talk about how awesome this is for me. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it. We've officially made a number of amazing references in here, I think, too, so it might be a record. Spectacular. Yet web of, even. Sensational. Marvel team-up. <laughs> <laughs> even. <laughs> superior. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I will I will talk to you guys again soon then hopefully. Um thanks for thanks for this opportunity. You you have an open invite to come on whenever you want to come on and talk with us about the old webhead anything. Outstanding. Appreciate it, Yuri. Thanks very much. Lots of continued success. Okay, thanks. Bye. Once again, a big thank you to Yuri Lonethal. Give him a follow on Twitter at Yuri Lonethal. You can find him. He's he's the one with the verified account. So <laughs> Yeah. Once again, like I said, big big thank you. Like I, and I I can't get over that interview that because we got to talk to Spider-Man. Like that was the very first thing that I said when we got off mic with him. Like I just said, "Eddie, we talked to Spider-Man." Oh my god, you guys. We talked to Spider-Man. It was amazing how many times it was that word used in the interview. I, but that was unintentional. That was really yeah, unintentional. No, it was subliminal, but it yeah. was there. Intentional would have been, "Oh, yeah, absolutely sure, you know." Spectacular. Marvel Tales. (laughs) Sensational. We haven't done Marvel Tales as a joke. That was a good one. This is true. And Web of. Untold Tales of. (laughs) And Superior. Ultimate. Which you need to read, Eddie. 180-something issues. Oh, it's still good, Eddie. You'd love it, Eddie. Of course it's still good. It lasted 180-something issues. You're damn right. For the Marvelous, I'm Peter Melnick. And so help me, I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior. And now another 
obsessed with Marvel. But first... Eddie Wilson plays with ornaments. And not foremost, <laughs> a side note, an extra note. If you hadn't heard, if you're into collecting the figures, not in the statue version that started at least $45, which is out of my realm to go there. Space is the issue and all that stuff. But uh, the, really figures, the, ornaments, the ornaments from Hallmark this year... Originally, some came out in August, and I think a couple were delayed to September. Um, One was a convention exclusive that someone in this room won for free. Yes, that would be you. And that was the, what, Iron Spider? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. It's pretty nice. Just from there, and I don't know how many were made, but you have one. I sure do. Good for you. you. (laughs) What were you going to say? I don't know. I was just going to tease repeatedly. I have one. You don't. Ha, ha, ha. This is true. This is absolutely true. So from the first wave, and we're talking Marvel and DC here because... Um, Not the hand wave. No, yeah, exactly. But from the first round, there's a Hallmark, and if you didn't know it already, now you do. Maybe they're still know, available. Now you know. An Infinity, an Infinity Gauntlet that takes, you know, like those little thumb, uh, rather button type batteries, so it will light up. I don't know about any... I haven't opened it to, to try it out yet. There's also a uh, cast, kind of a cast iron metal Iron Man ornament which is really cool and on the dc side the distinguished competition batman and robin in the bat boat i believe those are from the august round there was i think just one or maybe just a couple in september and one included a black panther figure and it also could be customized to have your your name not on the figure itself but on a small or just write your name uh, on the foot, like Andy yeah. with a No, hoodie. it would be somewhere between hanging it off the uh, the string that's attached probably to the head of the figure and your name on a little plate type of thing. I, I passed on that. But for the most recent release in October... God, I love your thriftiness. <laughs> we have Christopher Reeve as Superman. We have a guitar that's Batman Rock, so that's going to make some noise, some sound. And a limited edition... Of Batgirl. It says it right there on the box, limited edition. We oh. knew about it from when it came out. I, I don't know how limited, but the store that I picked this up in Orange County, New York, in Middletown, I think I got there maybe a couple hours after the store opened. I got the last one. I said, is there something in the box? Is, is it not empty? Okay, no. I got it, and there you go. For Marvel, in October, it's Spidey hanging upside down. It's Here Comes Spidey Claws. And also the one of two designs of Captain Marvel. The Captain Marvel Mystery Box, as it's called. I had a premonition as to what this would be. Uh, because you'd either get the original in the movie, the way you saw the costumes, the Cree version, or the one that we know more with the red and blue. And I got, as I suspected, the Cree version, which may or may not be as popular. I don't know how many were made versus one of over the other. But I wanted to give you that little tidbit of, of information. And if you didn't already know, as we try to now more recently include in the podcast, don't forget to check out our Instagram daily posts that begin with the transformed Mutant Monday to Marvel Monday that opens it up to more or just about everything in Marvel to see and like a post on Instagram. Because let's be honest, I ran out of mutants. Could be that. I, no, I no, no, don't lie to the people, Eddie. How I suck. How could that happen? But okay, so we had a mutant thing. Hashtag Joe Jesco for supplying all the. Uh, material for what we've been doing on a pretty ongoing basis so uh pretty much we love jj that's it that is it that, that's a true thing and linda too his spouse team up tuesday wolverine wednesday thor's day first appearance friday 
and Spider-Man Saturday. And that's the run. Because on Sunday, we rest. We also, also, I probably would forget anyway. Uh, when you schedule, when I learn how to schedule, okay. Coming up, as far as cons, it's going to be a pretty quiet remainder of October. But at least wow, for these myself... these are a lot of obsessive Marvel questions, Eddie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Long intro. Super Mega Fest, Framingham, Massachusetts at the Sheridan, November 16th and 17th. And John, I will be in touch with you. That is John at Super Mega Fest. Try the veal. To get a interview. An interview. So, with more than less something ado, obsessed with Marvel. Question number 1,702, which reads, Who is Kropotkin the Great? Kropotkin is spelled K-R-O... P-O-T-K-I-N. Who is Kropotkin the Great? Is it the sorcerer ally of Doctor Strange, an adversary of She-Hulk, a stage magician in The Incredible Hulk, or a poet friend of Dollar Bill in The Defenders? (coughs) Your answer is B. (laughs) (laughs) Peter, you're coughing at your answers too. Okay. So you think it's the adversary of the She-Hulk? Who is Kropotkin the Great? A How sorcerer, did you know? yeah, sorcerer ally of Doctor Strange, adversary, adversary of the She-Hulk, stage magician in The Incredible Hulk, or poet friend of Dollar Bill in The Defenders? Yes, Kropotkin the Great. I'm... That sounds like a Russian goulash. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's a, it's like a, a combination of the amazing Kreskin and Gonzo the Great, or something. I... <laughs> Kropotkin. Gazbacho, it's the tomato soup. Made famous by Lisa Simpson. I don't know. I kind of want to, I don't know, because you cough twice and think it's, because She-Hulk had some pretty wonky, uh, you know, the writing, I think, especially in the second volume of that series. Stage magician and Incredible Hulk. Go with Gunky Hunky. Gunky Hunky. What? What answer is that? Whatever it was. All right, let's try B. What the heck? No, oh, it's not that. No. The answer is C, stage magician in The Incredible Hulk. And You're to close. me, the way The Incredible Hulk was written and sort of like in uh, italics, it might, made me think it was from the TV show. But I could, I, I might be onto that. I'm not sure. So, yawn, Peter, yawn. It's a long night, Eddie. Wait a minute. That's, that's, that is somebody, isn't it? Oh, Peter Yarrow, Peter, Paul, and Mary. All right, 1079. Who Did was. You have sugar today, Eddie? <laughs> Let's guess who. Who, no sugar tonight, (laughs) who was allied with the credit card soldiers in Thor? One wonky question to another. Who was allied with the credit card soldiers in Thor? Was it Cronin Krask? Was it the Thermal Man? Was it Titanium Man? Or was it General Sam Sawyer? I am so lost. Who was allied with the credit card soldiers in Thor? Cronin Krask, the Thermal Man. Titania Man or General Sam Sawyer? Savio Vega. I'm so ruling out Titania Man, though. I don't know why. Credit card soldiers. The No Limit Soldiers. General Sam Sawyer. I'm thinking because soldier, general. I mean, that makes maybe a shred of sense. Andy up. And you're going to say whatever you say, Eddie. Okay, so how about D? (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) It is. It was the No Limit Soldiers. It's Titania Man that got discounted right away. Okay, fine. So consistently wrong. It's terrific. Not. And one more to just end the pain of a trifecta note or something. 
hat trick or something to that effect. 524. All right. Oh, it's a long one because it's got a picture. And look at that. It's the first issue of Spider-Woman. Okay. Since Spider-Man was such a tremendously successful character, it was inevitable that Marvel would introduce his female counterpart, Spider-Woman. In fact, over the decades, there have been three superheroines known as Spider-Woman. The first and best known is Jessica Drew, who was introduced in Marvel premiere 32 in February 1977 and starred in her own 50-issue Spider-Woman comic book. Issue one shown at left. Oh, sorry. She was originally depicted... Pretend it was on your left. She was originally depicted as a spider whom the high evolutionary had turned into a superpowered human. But Stanley instead decided to have her revealed to be a human who had been endowed with spider-like powers. Okay. The next Spider-Woman, Julia Carpenter, was introduced in the landmark limited series, Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars, in 1984. I was really hoping you'd say Julia Child. Yeah. Woo! The third. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You can't do a Julia Child impression and immediately skate over it. Well, that that's is good. as far as I go. Oh, that's it was pretty damn good. Exactly. Eddie. The third, Maddie Franklin, debuted as Spider Woman in Amazing Spider Man number five in 1999 and starred in her own short lived series. Okay. Recently, Jessica Drew resumed her costumed career and joined the New Avengers. Recently, according to when this book was published. The 2005 Brian which, Michael Bendis run. Dart, which of the following places was among Jessica Drew's base of operations? Was it Berlin, Madripoor, Cairo, or Beirut? Madripoor, I think. Jessica Drew's base of operations. I re- Mo- among the following. All right, yeah. I recently read the uh, New Avengers run on Marvel Unlimited, too, and... Madripoor has come up familiar. in something else, something Wolverine that I've stuff. even... Has it? Because I, I recognize that name. Yeah. And not even from a movie, but from something that I actually have read. So let's go Madripoor B. Wow, Eddie Wilson read a comic? We've got one out of three. I think that's going to close one the book for now. One out of three ain't bad. No, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> 